Time now for the Cannabis Hour. Marijuana smoking, experts point out, can make a helpless addict of its victim within weeks, causing physical and moral ruin and death. The first legally sold marijuana here goes to an Iraqi war veteran. A new insurance study out this week looked at car crashes in several states that allow the use of recreational marijuana. You're a doc. You've studied this. You've talked to the researchers. You're saying marijuana can kill cancer cells. Who taught you how to do this stuff? You, all right? I learned it by watching you. Marijuana is illegal under federal law. States have legalized records. No wonder you can't open your eyes. What do you expect doping yourself up with this wrong stuff? What do you know about pot? Good morning. You are listening to the Cannabis Hour. I'm your host, Jen Prokashi. Thanks for tuning in. The Cannabis Hour is a bi-weekly radio program where we discuss all things cannabis. I'm going to be joined today by community member Joel Thompson. He is the founder of the Peace and Harmony Foundation of Mendocino County, as well as a lifelong activist and a medical marijuana patient and cultivator who has fought several of his own um, marijuana, cannabis, cultivation, and possession charges in many different parts of the country. And we're going to be discussing today a very important civil rights case that is currently happening in um, Mendocino County that is now moving to federal civil court. And after that, we will be talking about some environmentally friendly cannabis cultivation practices for all of you growers out there that are getting excited for the spring season. It's creeping up much sooner than we could ever expect it to. So, Joel, are you on the air with us? Yes, I am. I'm here. And, yeah, thank you thank for uh, having me on today. It's it's uh, much love to... Uh, all the KZYX listeners and uh, Mendocino County friends and family, cannabis community. I'm really grateful for this opportunity. So thanks for having me and thanks for the wonderful introduction. Oh, thank you, Joel. Thank you so much for joining us today and making that time. So your organization, the Peace and Harmony Foundation of Mendocino County, has been providing a lot of coverage on this court case that we're going to be talking about. Um, so do you just want to take the air for a little while here and just give our listeners a background on this case that we're going to be discussing today? Yes. Uh, yeah, let me go ahead and um, uh, basically give you the rundown. Um, um the cases uh, involved a, a marijuana bust back in 2017. Um, Anne-Marie Bor- Borges and Chris Gurr um, were, at that time, uh, the defendants, or as I like to call them, uh, victims, um, uh, because it's, it's just cannabis and, you know, it's been a constant uh, issue in Mendocino County for many, many years, but uh, we learned that um, this summer, that, or last summer, I should say, that uh, uh, Anne-Marie and Chris had gone ahead and filed uh, a civil suit 
at the federal level, um, and that was uh, that implicated um, local, county, and state officials. So we had um, uh, high profile. It was a high profile um, sort of story that I started covering just this summer, but it was it was actually covered uh, originally by the Anderson Valley Advertiser. Uh, back in 2017, so it's been making the headlines since then. Here we are, fast forward 2020. Um, uh, they're able to. Um, Chris and Ann were able to file the um, the civil suit, civil rights complaint, um, and that involved Sue Anzalotti, their neighbor, and John McCowan. And uh, including 23 additional local government employees um, here in Mendocino County, um, and that was on the pretense that they participated in um, sort of a conspiracy to gang up on uh, Chris and Ann, who were just small farmers. Um, the the um, the the officials were using their political powers basically under the guise of their official positions uh, within the county and working together. Um, so as I said before, Sue Anzalotti is the neighbor of, of Chris and Ann. Um, um, I should start also by saying that um, Ann and Chris are both um, very professional people. Um, Ann has held her real estate license and worked locally uh, since 1990. And Chris is um, a retired head of sales exec at Hewlett-Packard. Um, right now they're running a uh, horse rescue and farm animal sanctuary locally. Um, but back in 2017, um, their neighbor... Zalotti developed a plan to prevent her neighbors from operating their legal cannabis farm. Um, Anzalotti made the claim that her neighbors were using water from an unregulated source. Uh, and then unleashed the chaos. Um, <laughs> Everybody's scrambling to gang up on <laughs> on these small farmers for an unsubstantiated claim, basically. So it wasn't just a routine judicial um, inspection, or uh, uh, but it, was, it became it became a plan to exploit. Um, uh, their own positions of power, basically. Uh, her so uh, Sue and her associates uh, acted on behalf of of her of Anzalotti's personal issues with her neighbors, and not on not on evidence, not on firm and solid evidence. It was just. Basically, word of mouth. So the so the allegations on behalf of uh, Chris and Anne are basically 
uh, false evidence, and it was um, it should have been uh, handled more professionally. Uh, obviously, I mean, if you work in government, that's sort of like the code of honor. You've got to, um, if it's a personal issue, you've got to kind of leave it to your um, associates to handle and not really get involved. Um, so, um, over the course of the investigation, there was there was definitely a lot of personal angst going on. Um, uh, at this time, um, uh, following the pretrial effort, efforts by the defendants, uh, over the court since August, there's been uh, various um, changes in the case right now. So. Um, at this time, the 25 said, um, now, uh, defendants in the, in the civil trial are not being held accountable. It's only, uh, and they're not being personally charged in the civil trial. The county itself is the only currently named defendant that stands accused of participating somehow in, in basically what became um, a, a real mess a, a, and a very political one. So it was, <clears throat> this was a militant style armed raid on these small cannabis farmers. Um, it resulted in, in Ann and Chris being held at gunpoint with their gardens and and their property being destroyed. Um, uh, so it really, it presents a question of, you know, why is this guns blazing raid, raids and this raid in particular happening um, in the first place on a small medical cannabis farm um, that was doing everything possible to follow the full letter of the law. There were, full compliance, um, and, and I mean, it, so it, it was very cool and, and, and sort of torturous in nature to have that, um, to have that happen to them. And, and so that's, I think, what, one of the reasons they wanted to go ahead with that, um, civil case. But, yeah, so, so that's the, the most recent update is that they're going to trial in March of 2022 now, with the county being named as the um, as the defendants. Um, but that could change. There could be um, changes and other other filings that that happen in that time, but. Right now, that's that's where it stands, and um, and so it's 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 just this uh, this constant um, um, concern for many of the community members who are small cannabis farmers uh, in our county, um, having to deal with uh, these violent militant style raids with um, horse spooking helicopters at times 
from the salts and you know basically what it comes down to is guns blazing gangsters in uniform coming in and terrorizing uh peaceful citizens uh, at times so it's 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 scary and it's corruption and it's it's a, it comes in in a vicious nature um and it shouldn't be happening and 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 with the with Anne Marie and Chris's case it's it's a uh, it's 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 resolved around this personal angst and and political um conspiracy and discrimination so uh that's that's basically where it stands right now that it's um the lawsuit's based on discrimination they've also had these opt-out zones uh placed upon on their property so they can't grow and other properties around them uh which uh we believe that was instigated by uh just the um the personal concerns of Sue Anzalotti and and re- that were initially related to her cohort John John McCowan and so you can you can actually check out the original story if you like at Peace and Harmony Foundation on Facebook uh, where there's also public commentary from from other victims and concerned citizens that um, have been uh, that are basically um, supporting this this effort and uh, so and cheering cheering on you know trying to make things right and bring people accountable for for this sort of activity that doesn't need to go on because it's taken to the alcohol prohibition era when when so many people were uh, just treated really harshly for no reason and now you know alcohol is legal that's not that doesn't happen anymore really so but and soon that will be the case with cannabis so this is just sort of um helping that along more more quickly we 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 hope and uh uh i commend um people who have come forward and um and and chris who have uh stood up to the sort of tyranny and 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 just misconduct on a on a um on a political level and uh, and by the police and and public officials in the county. Thank uh, you, Joel, for that summary. I just want to remind our listeners, if you're just tuning in, I'm Jen Percacci, and you are listening to the Cannabis Hour, a bi-weekly radio program where we discuss all things cannabis. I'm here today with community member Joel Thompson. He is the founder of the Peace and Harmony Foundation of Mendocino. And we are discussing a current civil rights case involving two community members versus the county of Mendocino. 
um, that centers around a cannabis raid that occurred in 2017 that's currently moving through the court system. So, Joel, um, I'm reading over the information that you gave me, um, the updates that you had compiled that you gave me prior to our time together today. And I'm reading here something, I think it's from August, where it states that um, Judge Carly B. Dolan had ordered that previously withheld assets and property that was confiscated in the 2017 raid be returned to Anne-Marie and Chris. Do you know if that has actually happened for them yet? Have they gotten their assets and property back that was um, seized in this in this raid? So yeah, that was that this um, this uh, uh, injunction just came through about two weeks ago. Um, uh, there's. So the the uh, yeah they're they're still holding um, personal property of the of the plaintiffs. So uh, they filed a uh, new case in the local courts, and were able to get um, a, a court order to return their assets and profit property that was confiscated during the raid. So. They're still working to get that property back. There's um, there's basically a lot of paperwork. If any, if if anybody's had their property taken, uh, if any of the listeners have had their property taken by by the county for in a raid or any, or during a police stop, they know it's not very easy to get their stuff back, but they've taken the initial steps, obtained the court order by uh, Curly B. Dolan, and um, uh, it's so that's that's in the works still. Um, I can't comment on the details, but I can say that that it's um, that they're likely get their get most of their property back um but it's still um a process even beyond the court order it's uh, more paperwork to file and um possibly more legal wranglings ahead to to um to obtain all their their property and the value or and or the value of their property back so it's um so they're not um <laughs> They haven't quite got gotten to that point yet, but it's it's that's that's also something that's in the works that um, should be um, it'll be a good um, update in the in the coming months as as we progress on 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 the case and to see if that um, if that. If uh, foments and 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 actually happens. It, but yeah, like I said, anybody's had their stuff taken from from the sheriff's department or from Fish and Wildlife, it's not it's not very easy to get get it back. So there's they're working on that process. Right. Thank you for explaining that. Um, and I heard you mention the the uh, 
California Department of Fish and Wildlife, so they were um, an entity that were involved in this raid, I'm assuming, along with the Sheriff's Department, were those the two law enforcement agencies? Yeah, the, um, it, the lead agency, I believe, was California Department of Fish and Wildlife, and um, along with um, the uh, the uh, Comet team, I believe, or the task force, major crimes task force unit. Um, so they went in and handled the raid. You know, when it could have just been uh, just knock on the door and say, okay, we've got this warrant, you know, instead it was like evolved into this like total militant scene. Um, uh, I should say that um, they, uh, the the county, every year the Mendocino County Sheriff's Office and other sheriff's departments throughout the country apply for federal aid and uh, for marijuana eradication. So uh, it's similar to, to like USAID uh, financial aid packages that go out to foreign countries where law enforcement groups will receive financial support for helicopters, boats, and weapons, and other training. And that's, um, so that's, in Mendocino County has been receiving the, the marijuana eradication funding package every year for decades. Uh, uh, they typically get about a million dollars in federal funding every year, along with a helicopter support crew from the U.S. National Guard or Ed, and another, um, they're also utilizing the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol helicopters um, and flight crews. So with that funding, they buy weapons, equipment, vehicles, and they fund aerial, assault, aerial surveillance and investigations. Um, this allows the Sheriff's Department to spend a lot of time uh, on these sort of busts. Um, roaming through the woods, flying overhead, looking for cannabis, and basically just just going out and destroying gardens. And this is uh, one of those cases where I believe um, uh, it was it was sort of involved in in the um, in the seasonal raiding parties that they that they go out and do. Um, it's it's not. Um, in the past years, uh, there has been uh, there have been concerned citizens that that have um, opposed this the giving the the county permission to submit the funding application, but uh, because it's 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 a waste of money. Um, it it endangers the public to have these helicopters and militant um, invasions going on in a very peaceful community. So it's kind of um, it's kind of all intertwined and now, you know, with with the um, uh, Adult Use of Marijuana Act, things have also changed and it's just it's it's um, uh, it's it's created a lot of chaos and confusion 
in the marketplace it's it's been it's been hard on on the um on the industry for sure um but yeah i think um it's we're resilient though and, and we're so um uh positive and um as a community we're more united uh than some of the other communities that that are going through the same things and dealing with corruption and uh, and we've got just wonderful um, advocates and just very intelligent um, group of farmers that are that are going all out uh, trying to you know uphold the county to um, or just trying to honor the county's uh, um, commitment to to um, to the to the cannabis industry to the legal um, cannabis industry. So it's 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 something that you know we're we're working. Everybody's working hard to try and make sense of what's going on, but it it's it's very confusing. It's it's very confusing, and, and uh, you know we've had to endure this for decades. I mean, there's been just continuous um, stories of busts gone bad and road cops and conspiracy, warrantless and unlawful raids, extortion even, and and theft by law enforcement officials. It's really it's it's, it's really a mess, and we really need to. Um, it's really something we need to address and and kind of um, even come to the table with law enforcement at some point and try to um, make peace. Um, even though I mean they're not they're not totally you know guilty. They have you know their quotas and their their budgets to to. Um, and their um, priorities. So we under—I think everybody understands that. But at the same time, it, it's really um, no reason to be out abusing human rights and civil rights uh, on peaceful, well, well-meaning folk that are uh, good, upstanding community members and contributing to the general well-being of of our community. Yes, I agree, Joel. Um, as I'm, you know, thinking back to the conversation that we had yesterday and um, the bio you sent me on yourself, you mentioned and wrote that you were a lifelong um, community member here. You know, you grew up in the area and that as a young person, you bore witness to discrimination against your own by friends and schoolmates here in Mendocino County, as well as witnessed violence and oppression against your friends' parents um, mm -hmm. in regards to them being sent to federal prison for cannabis. Mm. Well, I just wanted to ask you how your experiences as a young person here in Mendocino County um, growing up in the cannabis community shaped your journey um, as an activist. Um, yeah, I've, I've just I've been really lucky. I've just I've met 
these amazing people. Um, <clears throat> I think I, I wrote in my bio that um, I witnessed my first pro hemp rally at Todd Grove Park in Ukiah uh, when I was about 14 years old. Um, and then um, uh, in the few years before turning 18, I discovered <clears throat> that there was um, a suspected white supremacist um, operating uh, within the Ukiah Police Department. He was actually the campus police um, uh, personnel while I was in high school. Um, so it, there was there was a lot of discrimination that I, looking back, that I didn't really I didn't really realize it back then. Well, I realized it, but I didn't take it to heart as I do now because I don't want it to happen to other people. And there, there was, you know, it was the same thing. Public officials sort of conspiring to um, uh, arrest me, my friends, for cannabis, and then... Um, Two of my friends' parents were sent to federal prison for long, long, long sentences. Um, one of them was uh, actually um, uh, the D. They were living in Laytonville um, on on a large parcel of land and uh, growing uh, a, a large garden, and they. Um, were uh, approached by the DEA. Uh, the the wife of the person who was busted was uh, approached by the DEA to, um, in order to implicate her husband, who was the the operator of the of the farm, and uh, and they uh, basically. Um, uh, made her put a microphone behind their, um, their, or underneath, like, their bed so they could hear the conversations of the couple. So the DA was listening to the conversations. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like, um, has been happening since the 70s, just sort of stuff, just large, large, large um, farms getting, getting raided, and um, just really harsh uh, treatment, uh, so seeing all that, and then um, meeting an activist when I was a little bit older, in my in my older teens, I met local, I met various local activists in the late nineties um, who were uh, working with uh, uh, Jack Herrera. Uh, so I was prompted to read the book "The Emperor's No Clothes" by Jack Herrera. Uh, I recommend that if you haven't read that, even if you have, maybe read it again. It's great. Um, so. Uh, that that changed my life for sure, and and 
about 18 years old, I, I started advocating for the um, and collecting signatures for the uh, personal use of marijuana initiative as well. And then um, that was passed um, in about 2000, near 2000. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been a long run. Um, <laughs> advocating for policy reforms um, and and working in the industry, it's it's been uh, it's 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 been uh, very uh, eye opening uh, to see all the all the support, especially recently with this particular case that people are really sort of fed up with it and. They're ready to stand up. That's one of one of the benefits, I guess you could say, of AUMA is that you know it's made um, the social uh, justice aspect of cannabis legalization sort of evolve, and people are really taking um, not so much afraid to uh, stand stand up for their rights when it comes down to um, cannabis. So if you're just tuning in, I want to let you know that uh, this is KZYX and you are listening to the Cannabis Hour, a bi-weekly radio program where we discuss all things cannabis. I'm your host, Jen Prokachi, and I'm joined today by community member Joel Thompson. We have been discussing an active uh, federal civil rights case that involves two Mendocino County community members versus the County of Mendocino, as well as Joel's history and upbringing um, as an activist and community member here in Mendocino County. And we're going to be moving into the second half of our show here, where we will be discussing environmentally friendly farming practices that you can look forward to incorporating in your 2021 growing season. So, Joel, looking at your bio here, I see that you have been working in farming and agriculture since 1997. Do you want to talk a little bit about your background there? Uh, yeah, I've just been um, in agriculture since 1997. Uh, I started at Fetzer Winery in 1997 doing um, uh, grape processing and winemaking. Uh, in Redwood Valley at, at the home ranch in Bell Arbors. Um, and uh, I've basically stayed in that ever since. I actually started doing, um, started farming with my grandmother uh, when um, when I was just a kid. We, actually, we did a lot of gardening projects. Uh, they were, they were retired teachers, so they had me doing all sorts of things. I, I was involved in um, uh, local science fairs and um, doing very interesting projects. Uh, one on um, uh, uh, erosion control um, uh, and I assisted my my family in uh, a orchid um, growing project for for an AIDS charity. So we grow orchids um, 
all year long in greenhouses and outdoors and um uh, every every year we'd bring bring the orchids for a big sale in the city, um in downtown San Francisco and we'd um all the all the um all the fundraising efforts would go towards stage charity. Um so that was really my step. But I basically worked um uh, on all sorts of projects of um always been around farm animals, um doing some sort of tree cutting and gardening projects, um and um uh also growing cannabis as well. Um, 
and that's fencing. So I've got a, actually, uh, I'm working on creating a more wildlife friendly fence. So most fences can be a problem for birds and wildlife. People overlook it sometimes. I'm planting a hedge of blackberries, thimbleberries, and sweet peas along one of, one of the fences. So this gives the deer and the birds safe habitat and reduces collisions and entanglement with fences. And that can be a common problem. And, and it's a major threat to sage grouse and um, similar types of bird of our bird friends. Um, and around the outer edge of the uh, of the garden, I'm I'm creating a space um, which is basically a native uh, with native willow. So it's also another hedge, only about um, just basically a row of willow thicket. Uh, a long row of willow, and and that can be cut back every year and chipped and spread liberally, and turned on turned into the soil with the cover crops. Um, cover crops are a big big thing these these days. Um, native cover crops are something that also gets overlooked by people. A lot of people want to just throw fava beans, or one of the common. Uh, cover crops, but you can actually use native cover crops, um, sweet grass and milkweed, um, other native and perennial grasses and herbs. They make wonderful cover crops. Um, one of the, um, sort of equations that I use for in my farming technique is, uh, one acre of cover crops planted for one year and then turned into the soil is equal to the nitrogen content of 12 tons of poultry manure. So one acre of cover crops planted for one year is equal to 12 tons of poultry manure. If, so that that basically is all you really need. If, if you don't have farm animals, and uh, then you don't really need to bring in the manure um, that's another issue using factor farmed waste. Um, it's probably one of the biggest concerns for me that gets overlooked by many, many well-meaning organic farmers. Um, composted manure is probably not too bad when it's spread in trace amounts, but there's still unnatural contaminants found, especially in factory farmed animals like antibiotics, insects, pesticides, arsenic. And it's it's just not natural because these things don't naturally occur in, in wild herbivores that would naturally be um, maybe defecating at times on onto the land. Um, and besides the animal welfare concern, there's there are animal welfare concerns that are associated with factory farms um, and the harsh conditions that that are present on these very large um, farms that have major carbon footprints and um, methane outputs and other other greenhouse gases that are coming out of these farms. Um, so from an ecological standpoint, we, have, we just have to ask ourselves, do we want to be associated with 
factory farming in our business or our home garden. Um, if it if your compost contains blood, bone, or fish emulsion and other bodily waste, that could be a problem for the waterways that it's washing into. Uh, factory farming, factory farm poultry manure has been found to contain very high levels of arsenic. Uh, over 40 different diseases can be transferred to humans through untreated animal waste, including like coronavirus type uh, diseases or COVID-like diseases. Um, there's also pesticides, I think I've mentioned before, antibiotics. Um, so this this is what you're putting your hands into when you touch the dirt. When the wind blows and the dust billows up as you're walking through your garden, this is what's blowing onto your flowers, and that's what you're breathing in in your garden. Um, and one of the things I've realized from from the beginning uh, 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 of is that um, the fishy motion and the manure flavors can uptake into the plants, and so can the ver- and like I said, so can the various contaminants uh, from from factory farm waste. So you really, these are really things to keep in mind uh, when you're when you're um, bringing in amendments and when you're planning your amendment cycle. Um, there's other things at play, uh, like the microbacteria and, and the bioavailable nutrients, uh, which may be slightly different in a soilless mix. A lot of people are just um, using a soilless mix with um, containers. Um, but basically, too much uh, too much animal or fish waste can alter soil's biodiverse makeup. Uh, also, so so the most the most viable nutrients for any plant are actually the composted plant matter of that particular plant. Um, so, a tomato plants, leaves, and stems are actually the best food for a tomato plant. And the same for an oak tree. The leaves fall down and give the plant nutrients throughout its life, nourish the giant tree. So there's a, there's a natural release and uptake of nutrients, and and in this case, no pollution from manure source runoff. That that's that would be taking place in a natural garden or a forest. So. Um, we need to continually, in, in the cannabis community and in our home gardens, we need to strive to for healthier ways of of gardening and for more sustainable and eco-supportive methods uh, for a craft brand that can go a long way with the conscious consumer um, and give it a, very, a, higher, a higher value and, and a higher quality. Um, like I said, uh, check out John John Jevons. Um, he developed the biointensive gardening. It's called. Um, it utilizes primarily plant-based gardening techniques. Um, there's an, another farmer out of Europe. Um, I might be getting his name wrong, but you can check out uh, Valente Farms page uh, for more information. As if you want on Facebook, Ian Tolstick, I believe is his name, and he recently won. One of your uh, uh, European Organic Gardener of the Year award. He uses he utilizes basically just cover crops 
and wood chips and willow chips, and he's able to obtain these massive yields with minimal losses from insects and predators. Another another uh, a member of the cannabis community, Kyle Cushman. Um, he's a longtime uh, writer and expert cannabis cultivator. Um, he grows veganically, and he has his own uh, veganic nutrient line available. And that's that's really the highest form of um, ecological friendly nutrients I think available. Um, um, uh, one of my own theories I try to instill in fellow gardeners is that um, when you're when you're thinking about amendments, is that wildland grains and vast forests all grow with very little animal inputs, and without the need for industrial livestock waste or chemical fertilizers. So when you're planning your amendment cycles this year, these are these are things to keep in mind. Um, if you're planning on bringing in amendments, then just try to add plenty of things like um, grape pumice is really good, cocoa, coconut fiber, rice hulls, cocoa bean hulls, straw, alfalfa meal, seaweed, wood chips, kitchen waste, mushroom compost, and leafy debris and mulch. Um, Wood chips are amazing. They 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 create this my uh, mycelium throughout your garden, and it just it's a really good feeding for the plants. Um, so with uh, one of the things um, with um, these cover crops and the wood chips, it's. Um, it, recent research has shown that um, it it has a they tend to release at a, the nutrients at a slower rate versus um, animal waste um, flushes out more rapidly sometimes too rapidly for the plants to take up the full benefits of the nutrients so during heavy watering or uh, rain, the animal waste can more easily wash away, whereas the um, the vegetative matter s- s- holds in the soil more readily and is more readily available to the plants. And there's a natural an uptake of nutrients and no pollution from from manure dust runoff. And it's healthier for us and the planet. It makes our farms more sustainable and eco-supportive. And uh, our ecological responsibilities have a big impact, and so even these these commonly overlooked things like um, manure amendments and fences can have a big impact, and we don't we don't realize. Yes, thank you, Joel, so much for all of that wonderful food for thought. I agree with you completely. You know, we all have to have these fences around our cannabis gardens for legal reasons now if you're a regulated cultivator like I am. So why not use that fence as an excuse to create some wildlife habitat and, frankly, just beauty on your property? I'm a huge fan of giving the animals something to eat so that they don't go after my plants. So 
I love your idea of a, of a blackberry thicket um, along the fence. And it's a little bit of added security, too, in my opinion, because nobody wants to go through the blackberries. Um, we're getting close to the end of our time today. We've got about five minutes left in our show. So before we sign off, I just wanted to uh, give you a chance to share anything with our listeners that you haven't shared so far and make sure to let them know how they can find out more about the Peace and Harmony Foundation of Mendocino if they would like to. Yeah, I think um, basically that the the cannabis industry is is really an important part of our community uh, financially, even socially, because it's it's something that people really enjoy doing, and it brings a lot of benefits to people medicinally, and uh, it it's something that makes people happy. Happy, they're happy to grow it, and 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 spread that love around, and. And having having cannabis readily available deters people from using um, opiates and alcohol, and that that can go a long way in a community. And um, you know, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people that you know want to. Um, so that it's bad for the environment and bad for for the for people, but it's really it's really a, something that we've that has been part of our culture for for a long, long time, and it's not going away. And it's something we need to embrace and 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 sort of um, um, respect and honor. And um, I think. That um, uh, hopefully uh, in the future, through the Peace and Harmony Foundation, you'll be able to um, look on our page. I'm, I'm working on something right now that's uh, talking about water use in California. I know that's one of one of the big concerns for for the general public: water use right now with with drought conditions and. Um, um, so you'll be able to um, I'll be posting a lot more on, on Peace and Harmony Foundation Facebook page and Instagram page. We're, we're, uh, I'm, I'm solely operating uh, there and with no budget, so it's it's a completely um, um, just a grassroots unincorporated social media campaign um, but yeah you can find us at Peace and Harmony Foundation or at PHFMUN on Twitter and Facebook I mean on Twitter and Instagram and at, P- at Peace and Harmony Foundation of Mendocino on Facebook um, I'm also working on uh, forming um, uh, a new organization right now that we're, we're working on incorporation it's uh, going to be called the Friends of the Noyo River, and um, that's going to be a, a, a non-profit environmental conservation group. So I'm working with some amazing people there. Uh, look for more news about that coming up uh, in the media, 
and um, I thank you for having me on the show today. I appreciate all 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 the um, all your support and uh, everybody in the cannabis community. I hope we can all um, uh, stay united and and um, work together as a community to uh, to to better to better our standing and our position um in the community and 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 it's it's just been an honor to uh, be here today with you and thanks a lot jim thank you so much joel so that was joel thompson and this has been another edition of the cannabis hour i'm your host jen Prokachi. thank you for listening I'll be back two weeks today with another episode of the Cannabis Hour for you on Thursday, February 18th. So until then, have a beautiful day.